Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people as your representative. Oh God, I pray that I represent you like never before. God, today is such an important day. Today we will change who we think we are to become closer to who you say we are. And that is our mission, that is our goal. Oh God, this morning we are cognizant of the fact that the flowers fade and, 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 and God, we just want to just focus on your word your word, which remains eternal, remains the same eternally. And that's what it's all about today. We're going to take your word, God, apply it to our lives and reveal who we really are in you. God, I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Normally when I do this, we try to uh, assess what, you know, we do this to kind of assess with married couples the root issue. Because typically, because, you know, they can't see each other's paper, and when they hand them over to us, we look, and there's the underlying problem. It's like, boom, right in the face. They're saying the same thing, but they're not communicating or whatever the case may be. So that's why we do this. So we do this to assess what the root issue is. But this process that we'll go through for the next four days is not dealing with an issue. I firmly believe in this country we do have an identity issue. We struggle with an identity crisis in this country. It's a major problem, but that's not what we're focusing on. What we're focusing on is not a problem as much as it is a a, a solution. You know, many of us identify first as whatever our profession is, or many of us identify identify first with whatever uh, our our sexual uh, identity is. I'm a woman. I'm I'm a male. Some of us even do it racially. I'm a black woman. I'm a black male. I'm a white woman. I'm a white male. I'm a Latino. You know, we, we go that far. But right now, your first identity when we are completed with this process should be, I am a child of God. I am an heir to the same throne as Jesus. I am an ambassador for Christ, a disciple of Christ. Let that be your first thing that we identify with. If you're taking notes, the very first note I want to tell you that in in the I am not uh, box is I am not, and the answers will be up here, I am not my past. I am not my past. And what happens when we say that, the first thing, I guarantee it, nobody in here thought about when they were, you know, manager of, uh, of their company back in the day, because that is your past. Nobody thought about when they were teacher of the year back in the day. The first thing we think about when we hear that is that I am not my past. We think about the negative stuff. And I'm here to tell you, no, that includes all the good stuff too, because it gets even better. 
Okay, so when we say I am not my past, no, all of those accomplishments that I accomplished back then, that's cool, but I got some greater stuff that I need to do. I am not my past, positive or negative. And what that means is I'm going to take all of the things from, from my negative experiences, all of the redeemable things through Christ, and apply them so that I could do even better things. And I'm going to take all of the good accolades and stuff and accomplishments that I had from my past and do even greater things here. I am not my past. In other words, I'm not going to even take, you know, a lot of times, and this is dealing with married couples, a lot of times we're stuck in that. You know, we used to do this all the time. We used to watch movies together. We used to, you know, no kids here. We used to have relations like three times a week, and, you know, now it's like three times a year. And, you know, we used to. We used to. Everything is we used to. We used to, we used to love to play uh, spades and bed and all of this stuff. We, we used to. And, and the first thing I had to do to get those couples to the next level is realize things have changed, right? Uh, you had babies. Uh, you moved. You used to live in a, a colder climate. Now you're in a warmer climate. You used to hang around a bunch of people who weren't trying to be productive in life, but now you're in a church setting with some people who love Christ. Your friends used to look a different way, but now, so we have to get past our past. I am not my past. I love what Paul says to the church in, uh, in Corinth, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says this, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? I can't hear you. A what? An old person? The same person? A new person. In other words, it says this, furthermore, the old life is gone. A new life has begun. Anybody who belongs to Christ, who belongs to Christ? Just Christians? Hmm? No. Anyone who belongs to Christ, your old life is gone, a new life begins. But that new life can only begin when you confess and believe in your heart. That's when your new life begins begins that Jesus is the son of God that he died and was resurrected for our sins the new life begins when we believe those things in other words whatever your past is by the way your past was like one second ago and it just passed again that that just passed again your past is one second ago many people do great things to kind of move to their next thing we do baptisms to try to start a new life oh i, I did some things in my life i want to start all over we do rededicate i'm going to rededicate my life to christ and we do all these we attend different churches we move to different locations to forget our past that's a very common thing with couples that i deal with they were living in a place and there was no positive reinforcement. Nobody was breathing life into them. Nobody was building in them up. So they decided, you know what, let's just pack our things and move and try to find a whole new set of friends. Sometimes we do that with our family. Can I be honest? Sometimes it's just like family just gets that much under your skin. It's like, I need to be about 600 miles away from them. Real talk. Sometimes we have to do that because I'm going to be honest with you. Your family, sometimes 
they're the first ones to remind you of your past. When I became a pastor, I'm not even going to go that far. When I became a Christian, when I gave my life to Christ, family were the first ones to point out my faults. When I became a Christian and said, you know what, I'm going to walk for Christ, I'm going to live my life for Christ, it was family that, that, that were the first ones to say, uh, hey, uh, you sure you Christian? Dude, man, like just last month, man, you were doing this or you were doing that. It was like, I can change. I can, listen, I could have done something yesterday that was considered sinful. But today I've committed my life to Christ. I'm a new man. I'm a new creature. But the family is the first ones to remind you of what you've done in your past and will always bring your past up. The next group of people that will remind you of your past, friends, huh, friends. Y'all know we all got those friends that are always talking negative always have something to say about what you used to do or how you used to do it and where you ought to be now. We have to remember we are new in Christ. So whatever we've done in the past, remember, it just happened a second ago. There it is. It just happened again, again, every second. It's the past. It's already done. If you just had a bad thought like 30 minutes ago, it's okay. It's the past now. You know, repent and let's move on. Amen? I love this, what he says to the church in uh, Colossae. He says, so put to death sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Now is the time. I'm going to stop right there. Now is the time. Now is the time. I used to feel guilty, you know, when I, when I gave my life to Christ over at Turner Chapel AME back in the year 2000. And every time I, like, uh, slipped up and said a cuss word, I felt horrible about it. I was like, I'm so far removed from it. But then when I read this scripture, it says, now is the time. In other words, if I just repent right now, I cuss. I'm, no, no, let me fix this because some of y'all, y'all, y'all still learning. I'm not giving you license or permission to cuss and then say, oh, pastor said, just, just repent. Like, fill, fill, flour, and Jesus, forgive me. Some of y'all so clever, you do it first. God, I'm about to say some words, so forgive me in advance. I need, I need forgiveness on credit right now. I'm not giving you license to do that. But what I am saying is if you have a moment, if you slip up a little bit, if you, if you just, just forget for a moment that you represent the king of kings and you just say some things that are not of him, it's okay. Remember he had one of those, those disciples, like, like his rock, right, who was kind of like thuggish, who, who, who was representing God, and he's representing Jesus, and they came to get Jesus, and he's like, what, nigga, please, whoop. I said it, and he said it. <laughs> and he cut his ear, right? Why y'all making faces? He like, pastor said that. Y'all know I'm crazy. I'm, look at, look at, look at y'all stop it. He said that, right? He cut his ears. And Jesus like, yo, homeboy, I didn't, I didn't bring you here for that. Come on, come on. That's your old self. Your new self, forgive me for saying that, by the way. I'm just being funny. But the, the new self, we don't do that. 
we handle things a little bit different. You don't need to break out your sword and cut. That's your old self, man. That heathen, that, 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 that knife you got there, that's, that was supposed to be for using for fishing, for cleaning and gutting fish. You cutting folks' ears off. I know who I am, and God knows who I am. All right? Look at that. Y'all done got uncomfortable. He said the N-word. We'll talk about that one day because it's all in the media about, is it okay to say it? Is the A or the E-R? Whatever. It's a word. It's not offensive unless you say it in an offensive manner, in my opinion. You call me that, you know, and you trying to hurt my feelings, then, yeah, I'm offended by it. Whether you black, white, Asian, or Martian, we got some problems. Let's move on. Let's continue with that scripture. This is what he says. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and, is, and all its wicked deeds. He says this. This is the best part. Put on your new nature. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Being renewed does not necessarily mean rehabilitated. Being renewed does not necessarily mean reformed, reeducated. Renewed is recreated, started from scratch, clean slate. Whatever I did is gone because I'm now in Christ. He forgot. So why is family reminding me of it? He forgot. So why is my friend reminding me of it? He forgot. Why is the church reminding me of it? Because that's the third group of people that's horrible and terrible when it comes to reminding you about your past. I dare you to go to some churches with a whole bunch of tattoos and earrings and your pants, you know, not, not where they need to be, and see if you don't get judged. And God is not looking at that. He's looking at your heart. I dare you to come out of the closet if you're struggling with some sexual identity issues and see who's the first to judge you and be looking at you funny. When you are in the right place for healing, when you are in the right place to be recreated, we're horrible when it comes to that as Christians. We're horrible at loving and embracing people where they are and then trying to build them up to the place where God wants them to be. We're so judgmental. So you got your family and you got your friends and then you got church folk. We need to change this standard. And I want to help you today with this, with, this, with this series so that you can have bold confidence knowing exactly who you are so that your family, your friends, church folk won't take your identity and make you feel a different kind of way. Once you have confidence in knowing that who you are, that nobody can step on you or get in your way or, or, or make you feel down about yourself. We are recreated. The thing about it is when God recreated us, he did not, when I say he wiped away your slate, he didn't take, this is what he didn't do. He didn't wipe everything away. What he did was take all of those beautiful and wonderful, redeemable things, and he uses them to build up his kingdom. He takes all of those wonderful and beautiful, redeemable things in your past to build up his kingdom. I'll share my story. At one point, I didn't know if I believed in God. Didn't know how I felt about religion. Was in a weird place in my life. God blessed me with a boatload of talent. 
poetry. I used to do poetry slams from Toronto to Detroit and Chicago and toured all over doing these poetry things before it was really even hot. Back when Love Jones was like, they were writing the script for it, I was already doing that stuff. Hanging out with the last poets. That's why I said the N-word, because they got albums titled the N-word, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're familiar with the last poets. Hanging out with them in Harlem and stuff like that. And I'm thinking like, man, you know, you know, God is using, you know, I mean, not God. I wouldn't believe in God, but I'm thinking to myself, man, this is dope, you know, because I'm getting a whole lot of attention from the opposite sex. And so I use poetry to get the wrong type of attention. But God even took that and redeemed it to allow me to be a great public speaker. Yes, I said that. Y'all should agree. Yes, y'all should be clapping on that. Like, that boy can preach. They're like, you are hype. <laughs> a great public speaker. He'll, thank you. Huh? That's, that's discipleship right there. It's happening. It just happened. He used all of that stuff. Watch this. At a point when I didn't know what I believed and I was studying Islam and I learned the discipline of fasting from Islam and the, fa- the discipline of praying consistently and constantly, God used that and says, you know what? We actually do that here first. In Christianity, let me show you. And because of that thing, which, which was not beautiful at the time, which I didn't believe in, you know, which, which, you know, which is not who God wanted me to be, he used that to show me that in this faith, we're supposed to do that. In Christianity, we're supposed to pray, pray consistently. We're supposed to fast and stuff. But I wouldn't have learned that had I not gone through that transition of Islam. He takes all the things from my past that are redeemable and beautiful and, and, and uses it to build up his kingdom. And he does the exact same thing for you. All the things that you look at, if you look at the negative and the positive, he'll use that to build up his kingdom. That is indeed your new identity. He doesn't just wipe all of that stuff. He uses it and redeems it to build up his kingdom. The thing is, you have to identify what those things are. The second thing I want to share with you The first thing that you are not, you are not your past. Second thing is, I am not my failures. I am not my failures. Now, I know nobody in this room has ever failed at anything. You guys are perfect. I'm talking about your neighbor and the the church over there and the next state over. You guys are perfect. You've never failed, so it may not apply to you. But if by chance it does, I want to remind you, you are not your failures. Oftentimes, we get so caught up in the things that we didn't do right. Oftentimes, we get so caught up in, man, if I just would have tried a little harder and we give up on our dreams, we don't even let them be deferred. We just like, nope, I suck at that. Maybe that's just the one thing I suck at. Move on. And that's when you fail, when you've completely given up on that thing. When you stop giving up, stop believing, you failed at that point. You are not your failures. I want to offer this. This is so important. And y'all going to have to say this with me. Here's what I want to say. Failure is not fatal. Failure is not fatal. Say that with me. Failure is not fatal. Get that in your spirit because here's the thing. Some of y'all right now, right at this very moment, have some great ambition, getting ready to do some wonderful things. Some of y'all are ready to start some businesses. 
Some of y'all are ready to start the next wonderful, impactful, uh, life-changing nonprofit. Some of y'all are right in front of a promotion. Some of y'all are right in front of a brand new career. Some of y'all are right in front of a major breakthrough in your life, but you're looking at how you failed in the past or how you were denied in the past and saying, I cannot do that. I didn't do it before. I cannot do it. It failed before. I tried it, and it failed miserably before. Let me just share a couple examples for you to help you out. How many of y'all like Disney World? Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and all of them, all the Disney stuff. Do y'all know that they told Walt Disney he got fired from his local paper because he wasn't creative and didn't have enough ideas? They say he wasn't creative enough and that if he tried to produce something with a mouse in it, it would flop. Then they laughed at him when he said, I'm going to buy Swampland down in Orlando and turn it into one of the greatest uh, 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 amusement parks in the world. And look at him now. Who's laughing? Who's laughing? Who's got the last laugh? Huh? Who's got the last laugh? Walt Disney told him he wasn't going to mount to nothing. And now he is like, I mean, you can't do anything without Disney. Told him he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Do y'all know that Steve Jobs got fired from Apple at one point? The dude got fired. They were like, he started the company, and they were like, dude, you know what? You're fired. Came back to the company, and now how many people in here got one of these things? It's called an iPhone. Yeah, that was Steve Jobs. How, how many of y'all got uh, one of these things? iPad, yep, that was Steve Jobs. How many of y'all have a MacBook or anything like that? I can go down the list of Mac products. How many of you touched it and seen it? Huh? I'm, I mean, because I'm like, I don't see a lot of hands going up. I'm like, y'all still PC? Y'all are like prehistoric, man. <laughs> like, what gives? I'm just messing with you. And so and they're going to buy that one day. You watch that. They're going to steal it, boys. Mac is like all over the place, but they were stagnant at a point. They weren't doing a whole lot of anything at a point. Windows, PC, all this stuff, you, you know, the, you know uh, Bill Gates and his crew came over, and they were like, yeah, the dot-com and all this stuff, and nobody heard anything about Mac. Steve Joe Jobs was just doing his little thing, and next thing you know, we need you back. He comes back, brings this stuff out. People are like, iPad, you need to change the word. That's kind of weird, isn't it? iPad, and, you know, it was just all kind of crazy. iPod, what is, that's just weird stuff. Multi-billion dollar doggone company. Talk about job security. Oh, they secure like a mug, and they got new stuff that's coming out soon. I heard they're trying to produce, like, bring out two iPhones in the same year. Whoa, what are you doing, a five and a six or the five and a half or something? At the same, in the same year, they're killing it all because they said, you know what? We fired Steve. We're going to bring Steve back. Steve turned the whole company upside down. Nobody can compete with what they're doing right now. They're trying. They're trying in a whole lot of ways, but they're not doing it. Abraham Lincoln had failed businesses eight times before he actually won an election. He was defeated eight times, eight times. Real talk. After the second time, I'm like, man, this ain't for me. That's just not my gift. He just didn't bless me to be in politics or business. I'm just going to do what I know what I don't want to do. Eight times before, and this man is 16th president of this great country we call America, the most revered president in this great country that we call America. I'm still upset that he only got the penny. But 
I digress. <laughs> we got people on money that ain't even presidents. Do your history. Do your history. You got quiet in here like, really? Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> Dig this. I know there's some artists in here. Anybody familiar with this piece called The Portrait of Dr. Gachet or Gachet? Okay. It's one of the most expensive pieces of artwork in the world. Current value, $148.6 million, million is what it's worth. It was painted by this guy by the name of Vincent Van Gogh. Y'all know Vincent Van Gogh only sold one piece of artwork in his entire life, and that was to a friend. Now, that means while he was living. He only, he painted over 800 pictures, over 800, only sold one in his entire life. Dead, the man is worth, just one painting is worth $148.6 million. I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters, you are not your failures. You are not your failures. Vincent Van Gogh sells one picture his entire life. Now dead, one of his paintings is worth $148.6 million. Just saying that, I get goosebumps. I just... I told my wife, I said, we're going to break out all your old artwork that I judged, and we're going to see what happens. We're going to make you famous before it happens. My wife thinks she's an artist. I love this scripture from a... What happened? I slid that in there. Before y'all tell her, she already knew I was going to say that because I told her I was going to say it. Because somehow, when we get home, she's like, oh, you were talking about me in service today? I'm like, who told you? Y'all, traitors. Anyway, Psalms 119, this scripture written by David, King David. I love it. And then I'm going to open this up and then we'll move on. He says, my troubles turn out all for the best. They forced me to learn from your textbook. David writes this. Let me tell you why I love this. David was a big failure. Yeah, we can talk about the obvious, you know, how he became king and he was checking out Bathsheba when he should have been out there fighting with his troops. We can talk about the obvious, how he, you know, impregnated her, then had her husband killed in the line of duty so that he could try to cover up his mess. We could talk about that. But, you know, there's other reasons why he was a failure. Here's one. God told him, if you read the Old Testament, he told him one time, he says, David, I don't want you to take a census of the people. I, didn't, I don't do that. I don't need you to do that. Okay, I won't do that. Hey, go take a census of the people. Directly disobeyed God. God spoke to him. I mean, like literally, audibly. David, don't do that. Okay. And he does it. I'm not even talking about the other sin that's obvious that we already know about, because that's like everybody talks about that, right? You learned about that a long time ago. I'm talking about just those other things he did. He moved the ark when he wasn't supposed to. Just a knucklehead of a person. But do you know that God called him the only man? He says, he's a man after my own heart. Now, let me fix that. He said that before he even anointed, before David ever took the position of king. When he anointed David at the age of between 8 and 12 years old, he was anointed by Samuel to be a king. Okay? He didn't know that that was the plan, but he was anointed then. God says, he's a man after my own heart. He'll do everything I say. I just trust in him. Right? 
God knew he was going to mess up. God knew he was going to not listen sometimes. God knew that he was going to uh, uh, have some faults, but yet still said, he's a man after my own heart. David was not his failures. We all know that, you know, next to his son, he was one of the greatest kings of Israel. He was a great warrior. At, the, at, at, at a young age, a teenager defeated this nine-foot-tall giant named Goliath with a smooth stone, and he was laughed at when he, well, that's all he went to battle with. So we know that this great man, this great man who had faults, made it, in, not just made it into the Bible, y'all. He's one of the greatest, greatest kings ever talked about. And guess what? Related to Jesus. Yeah, they kinfolk. They peoples. They kin, they, what do they say? They kin to each other? Kenton or kin each other? What the, what the young folks used to say? Ken, there we go. Thank you. I knew I had a few Southerners here. Others are pretending. So, number one, you are not your past, neither are you your failures. Third thing I want to offer is that you are not your present. You are not your present. Where you are right now is not who you are totally. You are not the total sum of who God says you are. Wherever you are right now, I don't care how successful you are. I don't care if you got like $2 billion in the bank. And if you do, please talk to me after church. Just saying. No, just, I just want to learn how you got it. And then just share my list of needs for this beautiful city we call Mableton. Not my needs, but the needs of the people anyway. But I don't care where you are right now. I don't care if you are currently the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Again, if that's you, let's talk after church. I got some people that need some jobs. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you got your, the, the marriage you've ever dreamed about. You've got the perfect number of kids. People look at me and say, I have that because I have four children and I got boy, girl, boy, girl. Oh, man, that's just so perfect. No, it's not. <laughs> man, that's a lot of personalities to deal with. Different age groups. No, that ain't perfect. You can have them. Have my life for one week. You won't last two days. I'm just here to tell you that. You are not your present. I'm going to use this great man called David one more time. David, a shepherd boy, minding his own business. Saul was just messing up, not listening to God, not following instructions, you know, doing extra thinking that that would honor God. And God's like, I didn't ask you to do these things. And you know what? God's like, you know what? I just need a new king. Y'all know how God used to do it in the Old Testament. He just wiped. He just start all over. You're like, hey, let's just start all over. I don't know why. God was even like, why did I choose this guy? That was like one of the few times I remember God questioning himself. I read this and it's like, God was like, you know what? I think I've chose the wrong guy. Let me, let me do this all over. So, Samuel, what I want you to do, Samuel was one of the last judges. They were not kings, per se, in terms of anarchy, but they were, they were like, you know, they were the judges. They were sort of like governors or bigger than that. They were, you know, respected people, okay? So, Samuel's the last one. He said, Samuel, go to Jesse, and I want you to go find one of his sons. That's where I'm choosing my king from. So, Jesse goes, and, and I mean, uh, Samuel goes, and uh, Jesse calls all of his sons out. And he goes through all of them. And, I mean, he's got some strong and handsome sons. And so, and so when Samuel gets there, Samuel's like, oh, yeah, I know why you want me to come over to Jesse's crib. These boys are fine and strong and handsome. And so he goes through all of them. And, 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 and God says, nope, that's not him. And so Samuel's like, I went through all of them. And God's like, no, there's one more. 
And so Samuel says, Jesse, where's, where's, is, you have another son? He says, yeah, I got the, the little dude, but I mean, he can't possibly be the one you're trying to anoint king. He goes, let me see him. David comes out. He says, that's him. Eight or tw- between 8 and 12 years old he was at this time. Presently, at that time. Now imagine being, okay, I'm just going to make it real for you. Imagine being Aiden. Aiden is Emily's son. A- Emily's son right there. He's a young guy. He's was six, seven years old. He's six years old. Imagine being his age, standing there, little kid. This guy who's like respected person comes and says, Aiden, you are going to be our next king. You're like, <laughs> yeah, right. Because you know what Aiden does at home, right? Like if somebody said it about Junior, I'd be like, not Junior. No, sir. Not this one. Mm-mm-mm. Maybe, maybe, you know, the one of the other. Not, not Junior. And that's what Jesse's saying. And so here he is, David. He's anointed. And imagine little David like, what is all this going on, man? Let me just get back to what I was doing with my little slingshot, do my little thing. In his present state as a shepherd boy, he was already anointed king, meaning that position was already promised. At some point in in his life, he's going to have to take that throne. David, at that point in his life, would have to already, he was anointed, he was going to at some point take that throne. You are not your current. You are not your present thing. In other words, there's greater things for you, even after he defeated Goliath. I'm imagining I defeated Goliath. I've destroyed all of these other armies. I've been doing some wonderful things for God. I'm going to start, I'm just thinking about me. I'm going to start asking the question like, okay, now can I be king? I mean, I'm whooping some tail out here. Anoint me already. I mean, I'm doing the thing. I got only 600 dudes and we wiping out thousands of people. It must be my time. David didn't even ask that. He was just focused on where he was presently. That was it. And when it was time for him to take the throne, then and only then was he moved up and promoted. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, my brothers and sisters. I don't care where you are right now. If you are in what you consider in your own carnal mind the best place that you could possibly be in your career, in your family, in your job, in whatever the case may be, wherever you think you are right now, or if you don't think you're right where you need to be, keep on holding on. Keep on holding on. Keep on focusing on what God has promised to each and every one of you. Wherever you are right now, baby, it gets even better. Wherever you are right now, it gets even better. So you are not your present. I never thought in a million years that I would be a pastor, a man at the church where I gave my life to Christ at, Turner Chapel AME, said it to three of us. He kept telling us, his name is Reverend Al Delaney. He's deceased now. And just like that naturalist in the story I share with you, he revealed our identity through Christ before we even knew it. And he said, pick up the phone. Told my mother, Tell your son to pick up the phone. What phone? I ain't even got no cell phone. What you talking about? You're being called to ministry. I'm here to tell you that all three of us, it was me, a brother by the name of Lamar Hardwick, who's one of my closest brothers in the ministry, a brother by the name of Marcus Harvey, another one of my close brothers in ministry. All three of us are now pastors. All three of us, 
Somebody saw our true identity through the eyes of Christ. Neither one of us saw it. Well, maybe Lamar did. Maybe Lamar. But Marcus and I were like running from it. As a matter of fact, after service sometime, we'd be like, yo, you see Reverend Al? We're trying to get away because I don't want to hear him talk that stuff. We were trying to get away because we didn't want to hear that. That was too much for us. We were too messy. We were too flawed. We didn't have enough education and knowledge, didn't know enough Scripture. But God said, I didn't say you needed all that. I just want you to be obedient and listen to the call. And when it's time, I'm going to promote you. You just better be ready. And it became a time in 2011 where we went through a major transition. And I felt ill-prepared to be a pastor. But I had people speaking into me. I had the spirit of Reverend Al Delaney speaking in my ear. I had some of y'all right there saying, brother, you got it. Are you going anywhere? Are you going to stay with us? I had my professor from ITC with the uh, theological certificate program say, man, you got it on paper. You already got it. What are you scared of? What are you afraid of? I says, man, I've, I've only preached two sermons in my entire life. I mean, I've managed retail, but these are people's souls we're talking about. That's a different thing to manage. You sure it's me? Are you sure it's me? And he says, I'm going to take everything from your past and use it and show you that it is indeed you, my son. Remember when you were in Haiti and couldn't speak any Creole, but I I, I put a drum in front of you with some other brothers who had a guitar, and y'all just began to worship even though y'all didn't understand each other, but y'all were praising me. Yeah, I used that drum not to give you income, but to share my gospel. You see, remember remember that time when when you thought that you just were learning this drum just to do it, and then you were at Turner Chapel AME, and you went to the pastor saying, hey, I want to just start a little drum circle, and that's it. And the pastor says, yeah, I'm going to help you start this ministry. He introduced me into what ministry is, and now at this church today, that ministry still exists. And these young warriors take these drums and go and minister to churches and communities all over Atlanta area, over a ministry that I only had a vision to drum for. God takes all of this stuff, redeemable stuff and beautiful stuff and uses it to build his kingdom. I am not my present. I am not my failures and I certainly am not my past. Let us pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, the great redeemer and renewer and recreator of our souls. We thank you, O God. We thank you for always giving us a clean slate. Oh, we don't claim to be perfect, and we understand that as long as we are here on this side of heaven, that we're going to make some mistakes. We're going to trip up a little bit. We're going to miss the mark. But, oh, God, what it is, a great privilege it is to just serve you and be a part of your plan. God, thank God for our past. Thank you for using those beautiful and redeemable things from our past to build up your kingdom, God. God, thank you for allowing us to trip up and not be quitters, but putting people in our lives that will just lift us up and push us a little bit more. Oh, God, thank you for even where we are right now today in our present self. We understand that it's even better as we just keep on serving you and keep on putting you first in our lives, God. And so right now, God, we're going to focus on living in our true identity, living in our true identity, whatever that is that honors you, oh, God. God, bless me for these next few weeks, O Lord, 
as, as we try to, to really unpack, Father God, what it really means to be a disciple that lives a life that honors you. God, I thank you, I love you, I honor you, and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.